Goldthorpe is number one. A kickstart for Australia. Gold in a world record. Now it's Donovan Bailey trying to pick up runners. Donovan Bailey is putting on the third. A perfect score, 10.0 for Dante Cavanici, a perfect score. The first time I've never seen anyone get a over 100 years, nobody's won as many medals at the Olympic Games in any sport than this great champion, Michael Phelps. Usain Bolt, sprinting ahead, winning by daylight and setting a world record. 9.68, the wind is okay. How easy was that? It is Off The Podium, an Olympics podcast coming to you today for a very special interview, a very unique interview, which I'm very excited to bring to you today. We've, we've had lots of people on this show from athletes to journalists to marketing, ticketing experts, everything else in between. But we've got a, a unique one today. We are speaking to David Mason, who was the executive producer of Presentation on the Sydney 2000 Olympic bid. Now, it was David's role to essentially put together the final presentation, a 45-minute presentation that was presented to the IOC to help secure the Olympics for Sydney back in 1993. So that's when the Games were awarded, ultimately held in the year 2000. And David just tells an absolutely fascinating story about how he was brought into the bid, how he was creating the presentation, and how that ultimately led to Sydney getting the vote to host the Games by a solitary vote. An incredible, incredible achievement. And this is this is an incredibly fascinating chat here from David, really going behind the scenes with everything. And uh, I was enthralled by every single second of his story here. So I'm going to shut up. I'm going to hand over to myself to introduce David properly. Here is our chat with executive producer of the presentation of the Sydney 2000 Olympic bid, David Mason. <laughs> Very excited today to be able to talk to our next guest. We've had a bunch of people on to talk a little bit more about things outside of the sporting aspects of the Olympics. We've talked about marketing. We've talked about journalism. We have talked about everything else in between and more. And today we're going to add to that to learn a little bit more about presentations for Olympic bids and how important they are to help bring the attention to the IOC and then help bring an Olympics to the city who is bidding for it. We are joined today by David Mason, who is the executive presentation, the executive producer, I should say, for presentation on the Sydney 2000 bid. And I'm very excited to learn a little bit more about how he got involved and everything else that he did, which ultimately helped land Sydney the Games back in the year 2000. David, first of all, welcome off the podium. It's a pleasure to speak to you today. Thank you very much indeed. Dying to dying to talk about it. It's very exciting, actually, because just a, a bit of a, a tangent here for people who are listening to this and maybe listen to some of the other shows that I'm involved in. You and I met probably about a year or so ago on a, another show I do, Australian Survivor Archives, where we talked about your role being the EP of a season of Australian Survivor back in the day. And sort of through that conversation, I discovered your connection to the Sydney Olympic bid, got me a bit excited mm-hmm. as an Olympics fan. And uh, so I'm kind of glad we could get to talk about this. Because is this something that is often talked about? I mean, you've obviously got a very esteemed career in, in television as an executive producer, but does this sort of come up much about your role that you did have with the Sydney Olympic bid? Um, it doesn't It doesn't come up much because really it's sort of very behind the scenes. Everyone, everyone thinks about the opening ceremony. That's what they think about in terms of the Olympics and 
shows and stuff, but the bid process, I mean, it was a complete eye-opener to me. I mean, I had no idea about it when I, when I started off. I had no idea what was involved um, and learned, well, we all learned, the entire team learned very quickly about what was required to, to bid for the games. So on that page, how do you get involved? How does somebody approach you to basically be like, hey, help us out here, we want to do this? Or were you approaching well, them, kind of how did it all came about? Yeah, well, it, it was a bit of both. Um, I was an exec producer at um, Seven Network at the time. This is, this is back in 1993. And I was an exec producer at, in the news department and I was creating news documentaries for, for Seven. And one of the ones I wanted to do and we made was about Sid, Sydney's Olympic bid. Um, you know, the early days of the bid. And I went around and filmed in the old, in some of the old um, Olympic cities like Barcelona. And we filmed in a lot of the other um, bidding cities. You know, we filmed bits and pieces about all the other bids and uh, what they had on offer. And I went to Beijing and uh, to, to film, as it were, their bid and what, what it is, how their Olympics would look. They, they were obviously our Sydney's biggest rivals. And they treated me like, frankly, an IOC member. They were showing me everything, absolutely everything. And they, they had supreme confidence. And they were like, it was as if they said, well, nice of, nice of Sydney to bid, but really, you don't, you don't stand a chance. We'll show you how it's done. And they were showing us <laughs> absolutely everything. Wow. And um, it was impressive, but it's very Chinese. And they, they, they were intimating to me, um, saying, look, Sydney doesn't have a chance, they said. Um, Sydney, it's a dirty city. You have prostitutes. The IOC doesn't like grubbiness like that. You need to be a world-class city. I was taking all this on board and writing notes, thinking, okay, well, that's, that's, that's as much of a threat that they think Sydney is, okay? Um, and I went back to Sydney, and I'd obviously interviewed Rod McGeoch, the head of the bid, and a few others within the bid team. And I got back to Sydney, um, I phoned Rod's office and I said, um, I've got a bit of intel from from Beijing about their bid. Um, love to come and talk to you about it. And so he invited me along and I, I got the impression that he was doing the, well, let's keep the media sweet. You know, well, I'll give him, I'll give this guy 10 minutes of my time so he can download a little bit and feel good about it. And I started talking and uh, he said, oh, David, uh, just stop there. And then he picked up the intercom to his PA and said, um, uh, Margaret, call the team in, uh, we need a meeting. So he called in all the exec team and said, no, okay, David, now start again. <laughs> and so I did the full download about the Beijing bid and what they thought about Sydney, um, wow. things like the prostitutes and everything. And then I said, what they haven't, what, you know, it's an outsider, I know nothing about the Olympic bid process. What they haven't caught on about though is the environment. I said, Beijing, as we all know, hideously polluted, how they will get it um, to be unpolluted tail end of their summer. Um, I have no idea. The place is filthy. It's filthy for athletes, let alone anyone else. And I said, I should backtrack a bit. I, I was also um, helping start environmental movements called uh, well, Planet Arc and I've done in um, climate change documentaries and stuff like that leading up to this. Anyway, so I said to Rod and the team, I said, look, this is, this is a real opportunity for Sydney. I said, this is the dawn of a new millennium. And at the moment, the, the Olympics has three arms. Um, it has, um, or it's, sorry, it has two arms. It has sport and it has culture. 
Mm -hmm. so why doesn't Sydney go to the IOC and say, would the IOC like to consider a third arm of the Olympic movement an environment? And then Sydney could present itself at the dawn of the new millennium as the first green games. Wow. And there was silence in the room. <laughs> and I thought, oh, shit, I've really overstepped the mark. <laughs> and then um, one of the team looked up at Rod and said, Rod, I think there's quite a lot we need to do about this to change the way we're pitching the bid. I think we need to leap onto this now. Wow. And things started to change. And we, you know, we presented Sydney as the green bid. I mean, it's a bit of a mm, semantics. But we knew that Sydney, uh, we knew that Beijing could not begin to compete in those terms, let alone anything else. So moving, moving along, um, you know, so I, um, the, the TV show went to air and everything. And I got a, a call a few weeks later from the head of communications for the bid, a chap called Ian Dose. And he said, David, David, a great, great doctor. He's a great doctor. Loved, loved it. Um, now we're, we're looking at getting a, um, you know, someone to, to make all our films for the presentation. So, so what directors would you, you know, we, we, we think of Peter Weir and this and that. And I, said, and I immediately said, look, you don't want a filmmaker um, because they're just going to make their films for themselves and they'll be fantastic, but they won't really do the job. I said, I said, oh, oh, he said, uh, so what sort of person do you want? And I said, you don't really want anyone from advertising because they're going to do a 45 second 30 second message and they're not going to sell it either. Oh, so what sort of person? I said, you need someone who's good at telling stories over the course of 45 minutes. Oh, what sort of person that? Me. <laughs> Hang on, David. Hang on. I'll get straight back to you. He got back the following day and said, David, can you come in for a meeting? <laughs> so I pitched myself. Uh, wow. Said, Perfect no, opportunity. Why not? <laughs> Absolutely. I said, I'm an outsider. I'm a foreigner. You know, I've only been in Australia by that time, maybe eight, eight years or so, I, I still felt myself as an outsider to Sydney, outsider to Australia, but in love with the city, in love with the country. So I could see Australia, see Sydney as an outsider, but have an insider's view and an insider's love for the city. And obviously the skills experience, one would hope to sell that, help sell that. Um, and so those are some of the skills I brought in. I was, I was seconded from seven um, for about six months altogether to create this thing um, and had no idea about where to start. All I knew was we've got 45 minutes on the final day of the entire campaign. This is maybe four hours before all the IOC members vote. We've got 45 minutes to sell the games to them. And I should say, this is the lead up, you know, years, years of, campaigning of um of lobbying of creating the bid itself mm. um it's not just a case of oh well we'll chuck out some films and then hope they like them no this is the the presentation is the culmination it's just the the encapsulation of everything that's been done for years um it's you know it's a tiny tiny it's not even the cherry on top it's the stalk of the cherry on top of the entire thing I mean, it's absolutely meaningless in the scheme of things compared to the amount of work that goes into creating the bid, including construction. I mean, look, half the half the sites were being constructed while we were bidding um, at a at a homebush. So it's a tiny, tiny fraction of the entire bid. 
But as we, as I soon began to learn, it actually has an, an amazing impact. Uh, and I should say, this is, this is going back to 1993. The bidding process now is different. Um, there are, it isn't done by the whole IOC. There's an executive committee of the IOC that assesses all the bids. It's, it's very different now. But way back then in 93, the entire IOC, there were um, 108, uh, no, at the time there were 89 members then. Um, and they visited every city. It was a, it was a junket. Every IOC member um, visited every city and they were treated like royalty and shown everything and wined and dined. It's also, also very political. They have their blocks, their factions about which country, well, you, you voted for us five years ago, so we'll vote for you. There's yeah. so much behind that, um, as, as, as I know you're aware. So there's, there's only so much that the bid process can actually do. Um, and with Sydney, um, we were up against Manchester, Berlin, Istanbul, Beijing, okay, and us. We kind of thought the others, maybe Manchester, but Istanbul and Berlin weren't really in the running. A big rival, obviously, was, was Beijing. And uh, so all the lobbying and everything that goes on in the years ahead, and you think, well, how on earth is a presentation going to change anything? You know, these these IOC, they've made up their minds. By the time they get into this hall and they're seeing all these presentations, they've made up their minds. You know, what's the point? Um, and that, that, that was my opinion when we started the whole process. And then I, I, I began to learn two things. One, um, the the voting process, as, as I'm sure you know, or the voting process as it was, it's a knockout vote. So the first city that gets 50% plus one of the vote gets the games. Yep. So everyone votes and it's a, it's a blind vote. Um, everyone, um, a secret ballot, everyone, all the IC members vote. And then if no one city has got 50%, 50 plus 1%, then the bottom city drops off, the lowest scoring city, and then everyone recasts their vote. And a lot of IC members, frankly, will cast their vote for who they said they would on the first round. Okay, that didn't get in, right? gloves off we'll actually vote for who we want now um or you know once once your favored city has dropped off now i can vote for someone else and then maybe that city drops off and it goes through all the rounds until one city gets 50 percent plus one and so as your favored city drops off um into the next and you get into the next round the ioc members start to look around about okay well i you know, I wanted Berlin, they're out. I wanted Istanbul, they're out. I wanted Manchester, they're out. Okay, it's between these two now, between mm -hmm. Beijing and Sydney. Who am I going to go for? Um, and some will have political staff and so on. And some, as we realized later, um, two IOC members uh, had their votes swung, changed their minds as a result of the presentation wow and sydney one by one wow now we weren't to know this back when we started the whole process but when we got to it at the end that's how close we were and that's the impact that the presentation had yeah. and it wasn't it's not just it's, it, it, we say it's just a video or whatever and, and some speeches i'm going to go through the whole lot to tell you tell listeners how we constructed the whole thing in yeah. order to make that impact 
and it sat with me and I, I learned so much doing this. I didn't come in with the answers. I came in coming in with lots of questions about how do we do this? And we pulled together some amazing people, said, okay, this is how we're gonna do it, and we're gonna do this. And we played we played a lot of games throughout the whole lot the whole thing. I mean if, if there's me as an outsider as a Brit, well Brit and Australia Australian citizenship, but you know, grew up as a Brit. And I learned so much about the Australian larrikin way of bending rules, not doing anything illegal or immoral, but just bending stuff so we can just do a good job. Yeah. And time and time again, we did this and had fun with it. Um, you know, uh, there's the so many, so many I'll, I'll go through lots of things. I mean, the, the, first, the first time this began to um, emerge, these tactics, we're just doing it for fun, frankly. Um, the the big board was in Stuttgart, uh, the national, uh, the international world championships, athletics world championships. And so whenever there's a world championships, we're going to be IC members, so therefore the big team are there um, lobbying and showing our presence and stuff. Um, and it's only, you know, four or five people from the big team, you know, senior, senior people. And we knew this is a time, this in 1993, when faxes, um, with a form of communication. There was no email, it was all fax. And so we knew that any fax that we sent to the bid team, to Rod, in the hotel, would be taken off the, ho the fax machine at the hotel, photocopied, delivered, and the photocopy would go to the Berlin team. We knew that. We, everything was just porous, we knew that. Hmm. So um, I set it up, I sent uh, Rod an email, uh, an email, a fax, saying, dear Rod, um, hope everything's going well in Stuttgart. Uh, we just need to talk about budgets for the presentation. Um, I, 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 I have to insist that $50,000 is really not going to be sufficient. I've, I'm sorry to say this, and I know money's tight. We are going to need 75000 for this. Can we talk urgently? Because we have to start making commitments now. It's all bullshit. Our budget was seven hundred and fifty thousand back in '93. <laughs> but Berlin took this, and they thought, "Oh, Sydney's only spending seventy-five thousand on their budget, so they what well, don't know whether it's a result." But their entire presentation was pretty lame. Wow! And that was just a little bit of a <laughs> bit of trickery. We're spending ten times that amount on on the, on the final presentation. No, you know, we thought, okay. And it's just fun stuff like like that. Strategy going um, on now. <laughs> sorry? It's all the strategy going on. It's kind of uh, this, know, is, this is what I leads know. you into doing so much reality TV. You're on the board. Well, exactly, it led me doing, into doing the mole. That's yeah, exactly. How can we how can we do things without you know without being immoral, just being a little bit sly? Um, and and it was, it was stuff like that. And so that the if you can imagine the presentation as it was back then in '93. Basically, it's a bunch of people talking, PowerPoints, and a couple of films. Yeah. Boring as hell. And, and I thought, okay, well, number one, um, I hate the thought of PowerPoints and static slides and stuff like that. It's just, oh, so dull. So um, this is in the early days of digital tape, very early days. So Philips had come out with a digital tape player, and the machine cost about $100,000 or something, and no one had one, but... Phillips lent us one. So we decided, okay, we're going to use this machine simply because it can run, um, you know, video, moving pictures. And when we need to and when we want to, we just hit pause 
and it gives us a perfect freeze. And then we can release pause in a place video. So we thought, okay, if someone's talking, you know, they're doing their speech, we can have moving pictures behind them. And every now and then throughout their speech, we'll have a couple of stills that we can pause on, allow them to catch up, release, so that the pictures will always be in sync wow. with what they're saying, no matter what speed they go. Yeah. And um, and it, it worked really, really well. I mean, with the when when we got to Monte Carlo, for instance, uh, for the uh, to do for the IOC Congress, we all had some rehearsal time within the within the stadium there to run through technical run throughs and stuff. And we brought in our machine, and they said, "No, no, 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 no! You cannot use the machine. No, use these machines." Sorry for accent. Um, I don't know. Oh, it was quite clear. There's a level playing ground. You are not allowed to bring in your own machine. We said, "Oh, this is tragic." I'm so. This is our. This is our. The standard of video. This is the machines we use in Australia. We don't use it. We don't use it. No, no, we cannot learn. And I, I knew this would happen. I said, "Look, tell you what. Look, I'm so sorry. This is a misunderstanding. It's just a machine. What if?" If we just leave it in the room, then anyone else can use it as well. That'll create the level playing field. <laughs> oh, okay, fine. <laughs> of course, no one had that format, so we could use the machine. And everyone was just blown out of the water with things like that. Um, that's just a, a teeny little technical thing that just helped bring the presentation to life. Um, other little tricks we did when we got to Monte Carlo. Again, um, there were strict rules about what you're allowed to do in Monte Carlo. Um, you know, you're not allowed to um, turn the place, you know, you're not allowed to put up marquees and this and that and the other and clutter Monte Carlo. There were real strong rules. However, um, we knew that Prince Albert was, who's an IC member, was a fan of Sydney. So we approached him and we got um, permission from the Monte Carlo government to bring in some street theatre. Wow. Um, and they weren't, you know, your, your, your didgeridoos and your kangaroos and stuff. It was actually really classy, urban creative um, theatre, um, slight avant-garde theatre, and it looked fantastic, and just very slightly branded Sydney. <laughs> you could barely notice it, but everyone knew we were from Sydney. Um, but it was very subtle. Um, we were giving away little, you know, those clip-on kangaroos? Yep. Giving yep. those away to people in Monaco. Yep. Uh, not the ocean, <laughs> to everyone in Monaco. So everywhere you went in Monaco, people had clip-on koalas on. <laughs> in every shop, in every taxi, whatever. Um, it just felt like a, we, we kind of felt that Monaco is a bit like Sydney. It's on the coast. It's pretty chill, pretty laid back. You know, we had that kind of rapport with them. Now, what happened then, though, uh, when we were there, the British bid, the Manchester bid, um, the, um, the chairman of the bid apparently caught his team together and said, for F's sake, everywhere F, effing go, I can see effing Sydney. They've come halfway across the world, and all you can see is FC effing Sydney. So tomorrow, I want to see Grenadier Guards. I want to see Elizabethans. I want to see Double Decker Buses. I want to see taxis. Make this place look like Manchester. <laughs> so the following day, they had Double Decker Buses clogging up the streets of Monaco, <laughs> pissing everyone off. They had um, black cabs, taxi written on, not for hire. <laughs> really going to piss people off. They had grenadier guards marching up and down the promenade and on um, getting in people's way. They completely screwed it up. I mean, wow. you know, it just. It, so we were always very careful in. Yeah, we're going to be cheeky about stuff, but we're going to be really respectful um, to show this is how the games will be. 
It'll be mm. cheerful. It'll be fun. It'll be joyful um, and lighthearted. Um, and that's how a lot of um, our presentation ended up being. Um, and I'll start, if I may, I'll start to talk about. Please do. No, I, I want to yeah. hear about it for sure. So um, there are lots of things you need to cover off in the presentation. A lot of the technical stuff. This is how basically this has going to be run. This is where the stadiums are. There's a Sydney had a lot. The Sydney bit had a lot of aces up its sleeve. It was going to be the first games, quite possibly ever. I can't remember. Maybe the first games ever where every single athlete is in the one village. Normally, sailing is somewhere else mm-hmm. or equestrian, and they've got to be in their own villages somewhere miles up. We had everyone in the same village. That means so much to the IOC because are, the Olympics, as you know, are a festival of sport. It's not like yeah. a world championships. It's a festival where everyone comes together. So that was gold. Um, the fact that we had so many stadiums half built, the fact that the um, the government was buying, we had so many um, aces up our sleeve. And in fact, the executive committee had done a report on Sydney and said, um, Sydney is faultless. You know, we are the number one. We score 10 out of 10 in every category. So we knew we had to do that, but we knew because we were 10 out of 10 and everyone knew it, we didn't have to dwell on that at all. What I began to realize as, as I worked on creating uh, with, with all the other team, I mean, it's not just me, it was everyone pulling it together. And we realized that if you imagine on the final day, we got, was it uh, four or five cities um, all making their presentations to the IOC. And then they vote. So if you're an IOC member, you're in a in this hall, this stadium type thing, um, listening to these things going on all day long. You get to lunchtime, you've got a couple more to go, and you're falling asleep. Because hmm. everyone's saying the same thing. Yeah. Ours will be the best games ever. We believe in the Olympics. We really want the, you know, everything. The same again and again and again, and the same thing's been trotted out. And really, nothing's going to stick. You know, if you're being told facts and figures and stuff, and we we are the best, and you know, flag waving, and we really love the games and everything, it's just mind-blowingly boring. And let's face it, the IC mostly. Um, well, at the time, anyway, in the sixties plus, and really been there seen that and then they've got to go and vote and and all the presentations blur into each other and was so we knew okay so we got to separate ourselves um our presentation was before lunch which is actually a really good time um and uh but we knew that ours still had to be memorable by the time they get to vote and we knew my brain surgery to say People don't remember facts, they remember emotions, and they remember stories. So our, our presentation really was about emotions and stories. So that we wanted the IOC members at the end of our presentation to feel what the Sydney Olympics would be like, and to feel the emotions that athletes feel. The IOC are mostly athletes or former athletes. And we know that they have really strong emotions about competing and about the Olympics. 
and we wanted to be able to recreate those emotions so that they would feel it and they would carry that feeling through to the vote those good feelings about olympism and therefore about sydney so i'm now going to run through about how the presentation itself was constructed we've got 45 minutes and it started off with a really powerful i wish i could show you these films because they are amazing a really powerful little 20 second film with some i should, I should tell you a bit about the team by the way the filmmaker um i did hire an advertising um um filmmaker a chap called adrian haywood um because he makes he used to make really emotional films um and so we had that ad ad side of it the writer for the whole thing was a chap called graham freudenberg who was a political writer a labor party political writer um and we had keating um in power at the time um and the other significant person was um um a chap um, from a company called Rogen called Neil Flett. And his company creates corporate presentations uh, for, um, for companies you know, pitching for business and there's corporate communications. And a lot of the skills he brought in and which you'll, you'll hear about as, as I tell you about the presentation, a lot of the skills he brought in were just absolutely pivotal. For instance, we trained all the speakers, including Paul Keating, we trained them in wow. public speaking about how to deliver every single word and every single word, every single sentence paragraph had a beat uh, and a point to it. The entire, all the speeches were constructed wonderfully by Graham Frenberg, the speechwriter, um, And the films from Adrian Haywood and his team were extraordinary. So the whole thing starts off, if you can imagine, lights come down and you hear this, a little bit of a ditch, a little bit of a and the, the, the screen lights up with these amazing images of Australia. Just beautiful images. And then an orchestral coming up behind it as I run and just filling the auditorium with the sound and these pictures. And then we get a, a helicopter shot tracking um, um, across some trees and then lifting up it's coming across Bradley's head in Sydney, lifting up and revealing the city and the bridge wow. and as it lifts up, uh, if you remember the Sydney um, logo uh, yep. the, 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 which covered the shapes of the opera house with yeah, the rings with the different, the they, just colors come on up, yeah. they just come up over the opera house and resolve itself to the logo Nice. Um, with a beautiful culmination of the music. And that is the start. That's just yeah. the start. And you think, whoa, this feels powerful. We knew that Beijing's bid would be powerful. And we need to start with some power. Um, so up comes the um, spotlight onto the lectern. And there is Kevin Gosper, um, IOC member. Um, and he's literally formality, 20 seconds long, introducing our bid. Um, there then, there then comes after, after that, um, a talk really about the technical side of the bid. This is what the bid is. Um, we'll be here, we'll be there. This is how it's run. This is the village. Um, this is how the whole thing 
will operate. And your exec committee said we got 10 out of 10, we got 10 out of 10. Um, so once, we, once we've talked about the technical sides of um, the bid, um, obviously we need to talk um, about the athletes. And we didn't want um, an athlete saying, um, yeah, I really want uh, the games, the games are really cool or whatever. We wanted to convey to the IOC um, that we understand what the games really are. I thought we had Kieran Perkins, um, five I think five-time gold medalist. Um, terrific, terrific bloke. I mean, fresh he, off Barcelona success at that point. That absolutely, was very and fresh. So he, he he steps up to the the lectern and he starts talking about what it's like to be an Olympian. Now the the IOC know this; they're 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 Olympians themselves. But he's talking about he's reminding them of how special the Olympics are for an athlete. Um, in the village to compete. It's way more than the world championship. This is the pinnacle of what it is to be an athlete. Um, and he leads into the next film, um, which is about sport. And I should just say, uh, with these films, they're images and they're music. Mm. There is no commentary. There is no voiceover. For the simple reason that most of the IOC most uh, uh, in the audience are listening through headsets with simultaneous translation. Mm -hmm. Only about half are listening in English. And the moment you have some trans, then you can't hear the music. You can't feel anything. You just hear someone and uh, translating live. And now the, this is that, uh, and uh, and it's really stilted. So you know, give give people a break. Give people a break just to sit back and watch the imagery and the music before they listen to more words. Um, just on that point, by the way, about the simultaneous translation, one of the other tricks we did, it's not a trick, uh, courtesy. We had all of our speeches translated wow. um, into the various languages that were being yeah. relayed to the IC members. So we delivered those to the translators the night before. So they, they find they do simultaneous uh, trans at the same time, but they actually had a script they could read. Two things. One, they could then put more intonation in it. So that instead of just following along, they had it there and they could read it and they could help sell the message, frankly. Wow. That was just a little... No one else did that. I can't believe that no one else did that. It kind of seems of obvious that you would do that, like exactly. getting prepared for it. A little it. courtesy. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, we gave them a single box of chocolate peach as well. <laughs> <laughs> a little incentive on top of the uh, the exactly. translation. Why not? Just you know. a, a was there a kangaroo you. on the box of chocolates as well? Just uh... um, if there wasn't, there should have been. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and so uh, so the, the sport film. The sport film isn't all about yeah, we're the best at sport. We win everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is actually about defeat. So we have a whole bunch of different sportsmen, some Olympians, some older people, you know, playing bowls, some boxing, some training, some running, everything in the community. Um, it was all community sport and rowing and tennis, everyone playing sport, as if the whole of Sydney is full of sport. Well, actually, yes, it is. Mm. Um, and participating and watching. I mean, and there's a couple of scenes of this, this young, young, I think this is a young girl, um, playing tennis and losing and absolutely devastated that she's just lost beside herself. And as in you know, these films are 90 seconds long, this is pure advertising um, to be able to deliver this kind of message in a 90 second film. 
and lots of other sports coming, but we keep on coming back to this tennis player who picks themselves up and we see them training hard and going to the gym and training hard and hitting hard and hitting hard and boom, and then playing another match and, and winning. Hmm. And that sense of winning is what every Olympian, every athlete knows. It's, it's actually not about the winning. It's about it was all worthwhile. I, I yeah. succeed. All that effort has just come to that moment. And that's why the victory is so special and so pure. It's not just, hey, I'm better than everyone else. It's just, oh, Relief. the release. Yeah. And, and that's what we see in that film. And, you know, the, the IOC members are just glued to it and, because they can, I hope, they can feel what that is. Anyway, so that film ends and um, Spotlight comes up onto the lectern and the lectern is empty. There's no one there. Oh. And then you see a little hand come up to the side and just waving. Come on. <laughs> and there's this awful feeling in, in the auditorium. A mistake's been made. What's happening? What's happening? <laughs> you little hand waving. <laughs> and suddenly Kieran Perkins um, suddenly <laughs> gets up, runs across, picks up a little footstool, runs across, puts it behind the lectern. And this little 11-year-old girl, Tanya Blanco, <laughs> steps up onto it. Wow. Looks over, looks over to um, Kieran and says, thanks, Kieran. <laughs> that one stage-managed act um, uh, created by Neil, uh, Neil Slepp, that one stage-managed act does so much. Yeah. It commands your attention. Yeah. It says things go wrong. But you know what? We deal with it. Mm. It establishes we've got a very small girl here. You couldn't see her. Now she's standing up. I see a lot of the grandparents in there. They are sitting there horrified that this 11-year-old girl is embarrassed now on a world stage because something didn't go right. And they are emotionally just open themselves to her. It's okay, darling. It's all right. We're not frightening. They're not saying that, but you can feel yeah. that kind of expanse in the room. You know, yeah. metaphorically, their arms enveloping her. Yeah. And she gets up and just starts as if nothing. Um, Thanks, Karen. She says, um, Mr. President, um, uh, ladies, gentlemen, uh, your royal highnesses, my name's Tanya Blanco. And she goes into it. And she's, she isn't saying, I want to be an athlete. She's saying, um, you know, what, how, how she'd love to have the games in her city and she'd do anything for the games, even if it meant selling ice creams just to be <laughs> part of the games. <laughs> and so it's, it's a bit of, you know, it's a bit of candy floss, if you like, the, the ice cream, but it's a little bit of a break, a little bit of humor, a little of emotion. And at the end of it, she says, um, there's, there's someone, uh, um, you know, I'd like to introduce you to you now who knows a lot more about, um, you know, who's uh, very important in our, our country and can talk to you about um, how, we'll, how we'll do the Olympics. Um, he's our prime minister, Mr. Keating. <laughs> so she is introducing the PM. Now, the, the IC, they, they couldn't be bothered with politicians. They promised the world, but they're not going to be there in seven years' time. Yeah. And they'll come and say, say all the rights, Stuff, but boring. But we knew we had to have it. We had to establish 
we have um, the you know, prime, prime ministerial support. So he comes up, um, puts his arm around Tanya, says, Mr. President, ladies and gentlemen, uh, if it was my way, um, I wouldn't be speaking today. The Olympics are about the young people. Um, about Kieran, about Tanya, it's their games. It's not about us. It's not about politicians. But having said that, thanks, Tanya, while she goes back, then Keating does his spiel. And he does the normal stuff of, this is what we promise, this is what it means to us. We've been, you know, Australia has been one of only two countries at every single Olympics since 1896. That's our, the level of our support, yada, yada, yada. At the end of his spiel, and so he gets through all that, stuff at the end of his speech he defers now it's really unusual for a politician to defer to anyone and he defers he says i'd like to introduce now someone who knows more about what it's like to be a visitor to sydney than i do and it's my wife anita (laughs) his then wife his then wife so he introduces anita and we've trained a lot with her um and she speaks uh, she, she comes from the Netherlands originally. She speaks multiple languages. So she gets up. She starts talking, um, you know, in two or three different languages, then carries on in English with a very, very heavy, with a strong accent, um, deliberately. And she talks about what it's like to be a visitor to Sydney. And this, again, is so important for the IOC, um, for all the people coming into an Olympic city. So she talks about what it's like to be... Um, uh, a, a visitor and to be welcomed to Sydney. And at the end of that, um, she introduces the, the final film, um, again, just music and pictures. And this is about the people of Sydney. And it's a beautiful film about all the different people, about mateship um, and so many different vignettes and scenes of young and old, of people working, of people just being cheerful, of just the mateship, the camaraderie of Sydney, of people just enjoying, frankly, our outdoor lives, enjoying being with each other. And it just feels like, wow, what a place. This just feels beautiful. And showing a lot of the shops and the shopping because IOCs, uh, the male IOC members' wives like to shop. (laughs) That in there, Uh, you know, stuff like that. At the end of that, um, we come up to our final speech. Um, oh, I should say, I, I forgot to mention, Tanya Blanco. Oh, yeah. In her speech, in her speech, the one, she's the only person of, the, of all our speakers, she's the only person who asks for the games. Wow. Like, like, ask, so she like, actually please. says the word, please, <laughs> can we have the games? Wow. No one else asks. But you can get away with it with an eleven-year-old. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> She's just being anyway, polite. So She's we, just doing what a parent, you know, like exactly. be polite, please, and thank exactly. you. Exactly. Yeah. She said please. She did say please. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and so we get to the final, um, and uh, after the final film, the, the light comes up on um, the lectern, and there's Rod, and Rod McGeoch. And all the IC members know him. And, you know, he's, he's lobby, he know, he's had dinner with all of them, met them in their own homes. He knows everyone. And um, he does the summation of everything. That, you know, the technical excellence of the bid, of the welcome, of the sport, everything that they've just said. Just a, a, just a, a, a 
summation of everything they've just heard and said, heard, heard and seen. And at the end, he, he sums it up. He says, on behalf of the people of Oceania, on behalf of the people of Australia, on behalf of the people of Sydney, we humbly submit our bid. Wow. Simple as that. That's powerful, though. It's powerful. powerful. It's yeah. really powerful. And, and that was the end of the 45 minutes. I think we had 20 seconds to spare. Um, and that was the end, and then everyone goes off to lunch. And we all... <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like, Bit of relief. Uh, I then start breathing again. Because <laughs> we had so many different scenarios. What if this doesn't work? What if this machine fails? What if, and we had backup to backup, just in case. Um, anything failed. We had, we even had standby speakers who could do any of the roles in case any of the speakers themselves fainted. Wow! Wow! <laughs> so we had backups ready to step in. Things like Jeez, that. I would like to say Paul Keating faint, and then he comes oh, no, the backup. Paul Keating. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, so we then have the rest of the afternoon um, until the whole and, and the IT they see more. Um, more presentations, but we knew we'd hit a really solid, solid um, six. And then it comes to the evening, and everyone's assembling in um, the stadium. And I'm, so, I'm, I'm sorry that listeners won't see this. Anyone who was around at the time might remember in the stadium a whole bunch of people wearing orange t-shirts. Ah, yes, yes. Uh, this is, this is. Share the spirit. There it is, the logo with everything there. I should say, by the way, with share the spirit, one reason why we had the speeches translated is if you don't translate it right, it can come out as share the death. Oh, wow. Okay. That's quite clear. Sydney 2000, share the death. Share the death. Exactly. Doesn't quite have the same ring to it. No. No. (laughs) So that's one of the reasons why we had it (laughs) translated. Um, Anyway, so we all go to this um, stadium for the announcement. And um, so we got the whole of Sydney sitting in one part of the stadium. I think we had Manchester next to us. We had Beijing beyond them and um, Berlin assemble. And up on the stage, um, the IC board, when they come in, the IC members come in to another part of the stadium off to our right, up on the sloped seat somewhere. We had this code. Um, set up with one, I, one of the ISC members, and I can't remember who it was, that when she came in, um, if she was wearing, the ISC mem- members don't know the result. All they know is how many rounds the voting went through. We knew we had to get through that first round. Mm. If we didn't get through that, obviously we didn't get through the first round, we're done for, but we needed 30 votes. There were 89 up for grabs. One, one IOC member, I think, was in prison for corruption charges. So instead of 90, oh. there were 89. Wow. We needed 89. There were 89. So we needed 45 votes. We needed to start with 30 and then pick up another 15 as, as cities dropped out. And we needed to get through to the final two. Otherwise, we knew Beijing would have had it. Mm. Um, and so we had this code that one of the IOC members um, was agreed that she would wear a scarf around her neck if it had got to the final two. Wow. And we knew if it, was, if it was two cities, we knew it would be Sydney and Beijing. Yeah. 
she'd wear a scarf around her neck if it was the final two, and she'd tie around her bag if it wasn't the final two, if, it, if there were three cities in the yeah. final round before the winner was, in which case we knew we'd lose. Um, we knew, because we knew that's how tight it was. So our hope was in pick, mopping up the votes in all the, in all the different, if we can start with 30, well, we thought we did, and then mop up votes to crawl up to 45 out of 89. Anyway, so the Irish member came in and she was wearing a scarf around her neck. We thought, yes, <laughs> it's down on final two. We are in with a chance. And then uh, the IC board come in um, and I'll, I'll say a couple of things that, you know, we're all on, we're all on tender hooks here. And Samrench gets up to the lectern and he says, first of all, we would like to thank all of the bidding cities. We would like to thank Beijing. The Beijing contingent leap up out of their seats, <laughs> cheering. <laughs> that was the announcement. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Sheepishly sit down again. We would like to thank Berlin. I know you go through. <laughs> And then he goes through the spiel. We have heard some tremendous... <clears throat> and, and I'm going to do this, and please don't edit down this time. This is, no. this, is, this, is re- this is real. News edited it down. And this is how it actually happened. So Sam is up there. He's got an envelope in his, um, in his jacket. Um, and he says, We regret there can be only one winner. And he takes the envelope out of his jacket. And the winner is... And he takes the envelope and he opens the envelope and he pulls out a bit of the paper and he turns it round and he reads it. And the winner is Sydney. Mm. 17 seconds. Wow. Wow. That's how long we were waiting. And the joke goes around. The reason why it took 17 seconds is that um, Samran had never seen Beijing spelt like that before. <laughs> anyway, so, so he says Sydney. And, you know, he was seeing the news footage. We are all leaping out of our tears. And this is not a leap of joy. That's a leap of relief. Wow. That we didn't screw up. That we we beat the naysayers so many times when we're out filming this stuff, uh, the bid would would get Hector saying, "You're wasting your time, mate. Beijing is locked up. It's all Coca-Cola. You're, you're kidding yourselves. It's a waste of money." <laughs> I thought, oh. So we, oh, thank God, thank God, we're proven right. Yeah. So we're jumping up now. I've got Kieran Perkins next to me. He's a he's a big he's a big dude, as you can imagine. He's a big dude. And he's, he's jumping up and down. I'm jumping up. We, we both got tears running out of our eyes. He's got tears running out of our eyes. I said, um, I said, Kieran, this is, this is as close to winning a gold medal as I will ever get. <laughs> he looks at me, says, David, mate, this is a million times better than gold. I said, what? You can't say that. What do you mean? He said, when you win gold, you're mostly winning it for yourself. We've just won it for Sydney. Wow. <laughs> we'd go, wow. You wow. Know, the waterworks gushing. Jeez. Absolutely gushing. 
Meanwhile, next to us, you know, we, we're getting all the other bidding cities. Next to us, all the people from Manchester. And they are distraught. They're, they're in tears. You know, they knew they had an outside chance, but they're in tears. You know, they come to the end of the road. And a couple of guys, a couple of people came up to us and said, thank God you beat bloody Beijing. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm simply one of Beijing to win except for Beijing. If there's one <laughs> consolation, you beat Beijing. Um, and it was, as you can imagine, the most amazing, with the, the parties on in Monaco that night, all the um, supporters and corporate sponsors and sponsors and stuff. And um, I went up to, we went to the parties and just thought, you know what, we... This is odd, you know, for a moment it was our victory. We go to the party and realize, no, it's not our victory. This is everyone's victory. Mm. Uh, we, we've, we've played a role in it, but this is a victory for everyone. And that is, is just so humbling to know that we've, we've done this for, for Sydney, for Australia. It's going gonna, it's gonna to have a massive impact for the, for the city in a way that goes way beyond, and I, and I started to realize this as I, as I was doing all the, the six months' work, goes way beyond a running, jumping, swimming festival. It, what this did, the bid, and then the games, I believe, transformed the way Sydney siders and Australians think of themselves. Mm. That we're up on a world stage. We beat the world to something. Um, in an Australian way, doing it our way, and pulled off one of the best Olympics ever. Well, still is, according um, to no IOC president, as top what Samarant said, so it still no, technically no. is, right? So it technically <laughs> is, but, you know, a um, few glitches here and there, but it was bloody magic, and mm. Sydney and Australia did it. Um, and, you know, the bid was the first part of that process, but pulling off the games in such a fashion, God, we, we just, every time we're feeling low about stuff, just think of that. Just think of what we all did, um, what the whole of Sydney, the whole of Australia did to do that. And we can do it again. Um, yeah. it's, it's a real, it's a real life, le life lesson for me. It's, it's been with me all my life, but I think it's a terrific lesson for, um, for us all in, in Australia, in Sydney, that, you know, punch, we're, we're kind of getting used to punching above our weight, but this is, this was way above our weight. Yeah. It was the most remarkable thing to be part of. Which, the thing that's amazing too about that time is that Brisbane had bid and failed, Melbourne had bid and failed, so kind of this was like third, third ah, in a row okay. I that wouldn't, Sydney had I wouldn't, done too. Yeah. No, here's the thing. In the process as it was, and it may be now, um, very rarely will a city get the games first time round. Mm -hmm. The expectation is it's going to take three or four bids. Yeah. Um, fewer if you're lucky. But at the time, yep, you need runs on the board um, to, um, to really work up the best bid. Um, and you learn, each bid you learn. Um, and so, you know, Brisbane this time round has learned a lot from Sydney, 
and from previous bids. It takes takes a lot of work. So no one ever thought for a moment that the previous bids were failures. They were the stepping stones on which Sydney launched itself. Um, and Sydney didn't do a better job than anyone else. We just had the advantage of previous bids um, giving us that experience. And was that was that kind of talked about? Like, was that kind of the AOC maybe going, okay, well, sadly, Brisbane didn't get it. Sadly, Melbourne didn't get it. So you use that experience of why those two bids didn't work and could have incorporated it was, into the it, Sydney bid? It's, it's more a playing card to the IOC. It's that um, we're committed. Mm-hmm. We've been bidding now for 12 years, well, eight eight years of bids, I guess, um, you know, for, to, for the three bids. Um, we're committed. We, you, you, you know, we, we don't do this lightly. It's not just a throw dart at the board and hope we get it. This demonstrates our commitment. So those, yes, there were um, le- some lessons but from the actual bids, but mostly it's a, a demonstration of the, the commitment um, to, to the movement. Um, but, uh, people ask me, you know, did, did I go on and work for the games? No, I, I, I chose not to because, frankly, I, um, I, I, I just wanted to treasure the whole bid moment. But a few years after the games themselves, um, in 2005, um, <clears throat> I got a call out of the blue from the London bid. Oh. And um, they called me and said, uh, David, can you jump on a plane, come to London, um, spend a week with us, and um, sh- help shape their final presentation? And boy, yeah, jump at the chance. Um, and I, I helped, well, uh, helped them a little bit. Um, I, I showed them some pointers. It's beautiful. It's all, um, um, all care, no responsibility. Hmm. Um, and showed them a few of the tips. And I was, I was quite pleasantly staggered at how shabby and how lame their presentation was that they showed to me before we shifted things around they had they had people talking over film um which is never going to work they had um um just cliched shots of london they had no emotion they had nothing to resonate um and i said look in in your films let's just start telling stories um and so we we told i helped them create a film telling stories about some kids in different parts of the country and the world um, who had nothing um, but just glued there watching the Olympics and pursuing their Olympic dream, having watched the Olympics and then going on to a London Olympics. I, I, I said, music-wise, I said, um, you know, The Clash, mm. London Calling? Yep, yep. I said, you know, by now, by 2006, um, most of the IOC were growing up in the 70s, so <laughs> punk means something to them. Yeah. Um, so London Calling, I had, um, I suggest, look, let's use a, um, a girl, um, <clears throat> um, again, uh, the, the, they cast uh, an EastEnder, a girl, a, a black girl, I think, um, and the shots of um, 
um, you know, the classic shots of London, the touristy shots. We see her walking. She's she's walking past a TV store, a heap of TVs and stuff. And, you know, she stops and watches some of this London stuff on the TVs. The camera pulls back to her. And she says, um, you call that London? I'll show you London. <laughs> and then we launch into her perspective of what London is, which is fresh and vibrant. And that's when the, the, the clash comes in. Um, and just vibrant and full of energy, not your classic postcardy shots. Um, and stuff, stuff like that, and just injecting a bit of energy into it and things like that. Wow. Anyway, so, um, well, they end up, ended up winning the bid. Um, yeah. You're two from two. Uh, yeah, two from two. Hundred percent. I, I, I dare. I, I dare try again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> my 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 thoughts are you know tiny. Tiny. As I said, the, the final presentation is such a tiny, tiny part of the jigsaw. It's 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 one little part of one little jigsaw piece. It's it's so minuscule compared to getting you know the bid together. Mm. But God, it's the God, it's fun. It's what the, the thing that I, I love about hearing everything that you you told there, David, is that I mean we're approaching nearly thirty years since this happened, and you, you're telling it like it was yesterday. And clearly, you you hold this up highly as something that it was just amazing to be a part of. Completely, I think I was overwhelmed that I could contribute something personally, and then working with some of the best creatives in the country and learning from them. But we can do this and that. The stage management things, you know, from Neil Flett, the films themselves from Adrian, the speech writing from Graham Freudenberg, the full team, the communications team there, um, the technical team pulling in um, all, all the, the actual bid itself and everything that goes into making an Olympic Games in logistics and government relations and everything. Um, I, I was I was 32 um, when we when we did it, and even now I thought if I was given that job now, I think shit, I'd, I'd still be out of my depth now. I was way out of my depth then, um, no. and I, was, I actually because of this, I started. Going, I, I pulled out. I've got these all these notes. I've still got all the speeches and everything wow. um, here, um, and you know heaps of share the oh, spirit stuff. This is this the is the full of the, the notebook. Yeah, wow. Oh yeah. Presentation rehearsals, you know, the timetables and stuff, wow. um, official rehearsals, everything just done to the nth degree, you know. See, I'm a man of organisation, David, and that looks very well organised. That, that, that this, makes this, me happy. This wasn't me. This wasn't me. This is the communications team um, of, of, um, uh, of, the, of the entire bit. And these are, you know, the, the key members, the key um, wow. people. Tell you what, um, the given bit. that this is obviously audio, feel free to take some photos and we can put them up oh, on our, our social yeah. media and sort of show Completely. people what you're showing me right now. Yeah. Completely. It's just it's just amazing, amazing stuff. And I, I looked at, I have not opened this box <laughs> for thirty well, near on thirty years. Um and it's amazing. You're welcome. We to like see. to dig up the memories, that's yeah. what we do. Oh, it, this show. it so has. <laughs> So has it. Which I have I to do. ask, you said you didn't yeah. work on, you know, further, you, you could have, but you didn't. But did yeah. you at least get a, a plum invite to the opening ceremony nah. at least? Some good seats nah. or something? No, no, wouldn't, no, nah. no, no, no. Um, and wouldn't wouldn't have dreamt it. Um, uh, I, was, I, was, I think I was making Treasure Island at the time, so I was busy. <laughs> um, I went to see a lot of the games. I bought my own tickets, went to see a lot of the games. No, the, the games themselves were seven years after the bid. We were... Yeah. 
well, so has been. So I mean, there are so many more people working on the games themselves who who really really deserve um, tickets. No, we we every now and then, um, well, we um, the, the bid team would get together for dinner. We had the last one in two thousand and three, the tenth anniversary. You haven't had one since. I wouldn't mind a thirtieth anniversary one. Yeah, <laughs> why not? If anyone's still around, yeah. Um, but uh, no, it was it was. You know, you know the, the people define team. Um, what makes a team is when you have a group of people, a, a limited number of people, aiming for a defined goal in a limited time. Mm. That creates teamwork. That's a good You've way. You've got to have all it. those three in yeah. order to create a tight team, and we had it. Um, I have to say, just through all everything you're telling me about and kind of that process and everything, and, and we, we've talked a bit about this recently in terms of sort of how obviously Brisbane got it, and you mentioned, of course, things that are a lot different now. The one thing mm. I want to take away from everything you just told me, sitting through that Brisbane presentation, I was very bored. I mean, they knew they'd won mm. the game, so they didn't have to do anything special, right? Mm. So mm. I'd say bring back the pomp and pageantry, and I, I wanted yeah. to see a fancy bid, right? Because I don't want yeah. to see Scott and Anastasia talking for 45 minutes. No. Come on. No, it's, there's no <laughs> excuse for boredom. Yeah, you know, there's just it's just basic communications. Engage with the audience in anything you're doing, whether it's television or film, a pitch, a meeting at work, um, talking to you know whether at a wedding or a funeral or anything like that. Just engage with the audience. And the classic thing is you tell anecdotes, you tell stories, mm-hmm. um, and um, and stories with a meaning. You you might raise something at one point. You plant. And then pay off later. Oh, that's why you talked about that. But you know, all that sort of stuff, and it just takes a bit of time, bit of effort, bit of creativity to to do that. It's um, it's actually criminal to bore people. I mean, mm. it's uh, yeah, it's me bonkers when that's, that's uh, the problem when, though, right? Like there was no competition. Brisbane basically knew they had it, so they just kind of yeah. had to go through the motions, and then it was kind of like, yeah, okay. Okay, I got it. That's it. Yeah. Do you have, do you actually still have, like, I don't know, like on a VHS or something Mm. like that, a video of the presentation or anything along those lines? I do. I do. Um, There are copyright, um, there are copyright issues regarding the films. Um, So some of the films were filmed from scratch. Mm -hmm. A lot of the films used stock footage from. Um, footage libraries and from commercials and stuff. That, that, the opening film about Australia, we we didn't have the budget to to film that. That that alone would have cost several mil, million dollars. Um, so we didn't have the budget, but we used and Adrian sourced the most amazing imagery. Um, we don't own that. Wow. And it's a shame. And and we had to be careful at the time. We the, the bid was set up for the bid. Mm-hmm. That was it. We didn't. We shouldn't have. We were not there to spend public money on anything else other than the bid, and so we couldn't buy outright. Which I guess um, is, is, it's a different time, though, isn't it? When I mean, nowadays people want to see this online. They want to see it on YouTube. Mm. They kind of want to, you know, share it around. Whereas back then, yeah. you weren't thinking about things like that, were yeah. you? Because yeah. you were expecting no. this to be no. seen once, and that's all it needs to be shown. Absol- right? and, and that's what that's what its role was and yeah. um quite rightly we should you know we were not there to spend public money on something you know on a youtube frankly um we might regret it now but it was actually the sensible use of money 
At the end of the um, day, you did the job. You got that extra vote. You yeah. won the Olympics. We're more than 20 years removed from yeah. the best Olympics ever. So, exactly. I mean, exactly. Exactly. Why does anyone need to watch it again? <laughs> exactly. And and the other the other thing is we should bear in mind the films were designed to be presented in an auditorium in context mm-hmm. with everything else. Yeah. Um, I, I, I've looked, I looked back at some of them a while ago. I was transferring them from VHS to digital. Looking, looked back at them and I thought, oh, yeah, they're okay. <laughs> they don't have the same power that they had then um, yeah. in that context with, to that audience yeah. um, that it was aimed for. Wow. Um, so, it's, yeah, it's a, a different time. And it's just, uh, I just, where did that time go? You know, 28 yeah. years ago that we, we did this. I'll age myself, and I don't know how this will make you feel. I was six when Sydney got. Well, I remember being a six-year-old yeah. learning that yeah. Australia had got the Olympics. It's pretty exciting as a six-year-old. That's but, fantastic. Um, yeah. Yeah. Kind yeah. of living in that moment, and like as you were saying, like I, I unfortunately didn't get to go to Sydney during the games, but I mean, just the whole country was just awash with Olympic fever. Not yeah. only in those two weeks, yeah. but in the entire year. I remember when the torch came yeah. to Hobart, and kind of just yeah. the, the the feeling like it was it was just a, an incredible time to be in Australia and Australian. And this is where I think it's exciting looking ahead to Brisbane that we're going to be lucky enough to have two Olympics basically in a lifetime, which in our lifetime, yeah. which yeah. Is, is kind of a strange for a country like Australia. Yeah. Like if you live in yeah. America or Europe, like yeah. probably a bit different, but you know, yeah. and, and I'm sure we'll have some people who are still around in 2032 who are around when Melbourne happened that have three yeah, in their absolutely. So absolutely. Yeah. kind of very unique there. Yeah. David, I have to say, you made my job very easy today. I didn't really ask any questions, but I loved every single second of it. Like, <laughs> just, I, I, I like let, this more often. <laughs> I just sit back and listen. Like, I like this. But I seriously, I, I was really interested to get you on, as we said, sort of in the beginning in kind of a conversation we had pretty much a year ago. And you lived up to every expectations because it was oh, a fascinating you. story. I loved every second of it. And that's, it's just a unique oh, sort of angle that we haven't really talked about on the show before yeah, about that process. So. Thank, thank you so much. I mean, as you can see, I'm, yeah, it's... Love telling, love telling stories, and yeah. I, I often get, I, I often get choked up talking about some of this. You know, some of those moments they really still touch a nerve with me, and I choke up thinking about it. So, it, um, yeah, it was, it was a fantastic thing to be part of, and as I said earlier, just awesome for the whole of Sydney and Australia. That's the, that's my take home, and you know, I've done quite a lot of stuff my career and stuff nothing comes close to that nothing comes close to um the power of what we did and its consequences um you know a lot of people have you know do that every day or every month you know if you're in high office or something that's the first time i've been involved in something that had uh, a, a monumental effect on a city and on a country um, and I, you know, I, I, people say, oh, it wasn't really that important, was it? And I said, well, important enough. And I, I, I don't know if I can tell this to people that, um, when Paul Keating got back to, um, back to, um, uh, Canberra, he, um, is speaking in parliament about the bid and the Sydney successful bid. And, um, he mentions me by name. Wow. So I'm in Hansard. I was going to say, you're in Hansard. Uh. I'm in Hansard <laughs> of, of having helped Sydney get the games. Um, wow. Which I'm, I'm pretty, pretty, pretty chuffed about. 
Uh, say that's 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 a that, that can't be taken from history. You're you're no, always Aaron no. Hansard. Spoken by the yeah. Prime Minister too. So yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's so um, top of the resume yeah. there, David. I think kind of you know that goes yeah. a bit so above for, Celebrity Survivor. I think. And and. and yeah, I think so. any other bid cities, you know to call. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> David, seriously, mate, uh, absolute pleasure chatting with you about this and really do appreciate you sort of, yeah, going through these memories and everything. And, uh, yeah, we'll get you back on when you help Hobart win the Olympics. You know, Hobart we can redo that bid. Yes, yeah. indeed. I'd, yeah. Well, thank you so much for the opportunity. It's brought back a lot of memories for me and I've really enjoyed it. A big thanks to David there for his time. Just absolutely enthralling there. Uh, just amazing to learn all of that process and, and how influential the final presentation can be. And it's sort of easy to look back on now and think, well, okay, the bid was done. The games are over. Here we are. We're looking towards Brisbane, of course. But obviously, as David mentioned in that interview, a lot is put into an Olympic bid and just so many different elements to it. And so amazing to think that just a simple 45-minute presentation is that powerful that it can help uh, sway, get a game to the city and, and how much a, an Olympics can, of course, change. We, we always hear about the negativity around Olympic bids now and how cities who host the Olympics kind of go into debt and you've got all these white elephants. But it's very rare that you do really hear about the positives about an Olympics and how it's much more than a two-week celebration of sport. So I think that kind of captivated a little bit of what that means and I guess what it's still meaning to the city of Sydney and the country of Australia all these years later. So uh, great chat there from David and very much enjoyed every single second of that. We have so many more interviews coming your way, of course, here on Off the Podium. Plenty to get incited, excited and involved about. Potentially, I might even learn how to speak properly eventually in one of these. So <laughs> stay tuned for that. We've also got, uh, we've, we've teased a few times about doing a ranking of the Olympic medals, kind of a bit of a geeked out moment for myself, Jared and Colin. That will be coming very, very soon too. Just a bit of bit of a, a fun episode where we're going to go over some of the Olympic medal designs from the last 30 or so years and rank what our favourites are. So uh, stay tuned for that. And of course, you can stay tuned to everything off the podium related by simply following us on all the social media channels facebook instagram twitter they're the ones and of course find us on all the good podcast platforms search for off the podium subscribe while you're there leave us some feedback leave us a rating we'd love to hear from you and hear what you think about the show big thanks again to david big thanks again to everyone for listening my name is ben this is off the podium and as always go left <laughs>